podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show on ESPN. Good to have you with us. Time for part two of our AFC preview. You didn't really think that me and I and Mike would get through the AFC in 45, 50 minutes, did you? That is absolutely impossible. No chance given the amount the two of us gas. So second part of the AFC preview coming. And of course, once we've taken care of business there, we move on to the NFC. So lots of preview pods coming your way over the course of the coming weeks as we get set for the 2020 NFL season. Keeping optimistic, gang. Uh, enjoy the second part of the AFC. Lots of good stuff here. I will check you on the other side. Let's rattle on to the AFC South Iron Mike. And let's start with the Titans, given the fact they won it last time around and they have splashed the cash to make sure they've kept the majority of certainly the offense in play. Tannehill getting paid. Henry, of course, uh, who led the league in rushing yards in carries as well. Uh, and was the joint leader in touchdowns, 16 rushing touchdowns last season. So they made sure he stays in the mix because, I mean, without overstating his role and underplaying everybody else, he was quite clearly the focal point of the offense last time around. We mentioned Mike Vrabel earlier on and how effectively uh, he's emerged as, as one of the bright young things as head coaches in the NFL. They've lost some key parts defensively as well. So where do the Titans stack up? Difficult act to replicate, isn't it, Mike? I think it is, you know, because I think what happened was they got, in the end, they, they you know, um, they're, they, they're like a 9-7 and seven team that had a great playoff run, you know, to, right. which is what Titans teams always seem to have been for the sure. last, but without the great Forever. playoff run. So is the yeah. great playoff run a sign that they're going to be, you know, better this year? Um, and improve, or or is it a sign that they just sort of got lucky, you know? And and they've lost, like you said, they've lost a, a, quite a few good players who are not going to be easy to replace. Not least, um, we talked Jack Conklin, but yeah, Conklin was a big part of you know of that team at, at, at right tackle, and Jarrell Casey is gone. Um, you know, that was, was a huge team. loss, seventh first seventh rounder as well. I mean, I, 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 that surprised me. Yeah, you know, they're they're reaching it, but they have they they sort of have you know, talent there, um, they think, to be able um, to replace him. And, and it mm. it was as if they thought that the more important thing was to get a pass rusher, which is why Vic Beasley got signed. Mm. Um, but, you know, I'm not sure Beasley's a difference maker. To me, the, the, the real question here is going to be with the young receivers, can, can, can Tannehill be as effective as he was? At the toward the end of the season, statistically, he had a monster season, right? Which pe- people don't recognize, but I'm not sure that, um, you know, that 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 is the sign of their progression, or whether it's just a sign that when you're a good play action quarterback, when you have a great ter- runner like Derrick Henry in that last half of the year, good for 100 plus yards every game, whether that made his life a little bit easier. Um, oh, you know, no, he, doubt, no doubt it, it did. You know, it's a great point. Do, do, do you think, though, that with Tannehill, and we saw him, if you look at his Miami career, injury affected it ultimately, but he had you know, some very promising years there and yeah. was started last season as a backup and forced his way to win the starting gig and and then did what he did. Where is Tannehill in, in your estimation as, 
you know, he's not an elite quarterback in, in, in the NFL, but is he in that next group just underneath I, the, the Wilsons of, and Mahomes? Is and, and I, I think he is with a question mark, basically. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who aren't convinced that he's going to be able to deliver that same kind of performance. You know, mm-hmm. also because if you look like in the playoffs, you know, he only threw 30 passes in the two playoff games they won. But is that a Garoppolo 49ers NFC Championship argument where you didn't need to throw? Maybe, maybe, but he did fumble three times. And he fumbled three times against the Chiefs where, you know, he actually threw for exactly the same number of yards against the Chiefs as he had in the first two games, uh, 209. So, you know, I, I think he's a fairly... He he is not a difficult guy to defend if you can stop Derrick Henry or right. or this is the big one if you can take a lead on them and force them to get away from De- Derrick Henry, which is probably an easier thing to do than stopping Derrick Henry. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what the Chiefs did. You know they they had to come back to do it. <laughs> yeah, but, in the, but it was their, it was their off, yeah it was their offense that forced Tennessee's offense onto the wrong foot. It wasn't point. their defense great point. That, that did it. Um, and the other thing that interested me because we just talked about um, um, Isaiah Wilson. You know, Jedrick Willis in Cleveland um, was drafted to play the left side, but played the right side in college. And, and Isaiah Wilson, who they drafted to play um, the right side, played the left side in college. So it's like, hey, can we trade? <laughs> <laughs> so the Titans, there or thereabouts, but it'll be a, a, a more difficult situation for them. I Clearly, think so. got to look at what's around them. And, and in some respects, that has kind of played to their favor because Houston, presumably, are not going to be as strong year on year. Because, and, and, you know, one, albeit elite receiver, doesn't necessarily change a trajectory. We've got to look at everything else that's going on. But, but clearly the loss of DeAndre Hopkins and, and the fact that Will Fuller, Randall Cobb, whether you feel they can step up and be as prolific is one thing, but they're both, they're both players that have had significant injury issues over their careers, right? Yeah, this, this smacks of me of Bill O'Brien thinking that he can make a Bill O'Brien offense with, the, with um, Deshaun Deshaun Watson right. instead of a Deshaun Watson offense, you know. Um, if David Johnson were to return to his form of now three years ago, they might have a different feeling about that. But right sure. now, I don't think David Johnson is as good as Duke Johnson, you know, and, and they're very similar okay. type type players. What's um, and Duke Johnson's, a, Duke Johnson's a very much underrated player, I think. You've always raved about Duke. Fair point. But with David Johnson, you know, this – this is, is fundamental because everybody scoffed at the deal. And I don't want to let's not pile on to Bill O'Brien again. That, that's been and, and, and done. But with David Johnson, injury clearly has affected his career. Based on what you've seen, how much can we work out as to whether he has it in him to be able to get back to those levels, irrespective of you know, the offense? I don't know. I don't know because last know. year, he, yeah, last year he didn't. Right. Um, yeah, and, and it was, it was, David Johnson was strange because I loved him. I loved him coming out of college. Um, and I think they drafted him in Arizona in the third round. Um, if I remember right, it was Iowa State. And um, it was because he, was, he didn't look explosive, but he was effective. 
and you could watch him cutting and he made tremendous cuts. He followed blockers and then made tremendous cuts. He had a pretty good quick acceleration burst, but he never looked explosive the way some guys do. And, and that sort of, but I think what he's lost with the knee injury is that cutting ability. I think he, I think he just lost that ability to stop and start from, you know, um, from a standing start, which made him such an effective receiver um, as well as a runner. And, And I think that was just, just huge for them. And, you know, I, I can't, I, this is a team that for all our talk about Bill O'Brien and about DeAndre Hopkins, this team is going to win or lose because of their defense. And if their defense plays up to ability, um, as it often does, um, they could win games scoring only 20 points, say, right. uh, which, which, any team with Deshaun Watson can do, even if he has to do it himself. Um, but I'm, I'm not sure um, um, how, how efficient they're going to be. Romeo's out as the defensive coordinator. Anthony Weaver is in. He might be better. Um, Romeo tended to be kind of, de- what would you say, passive defensively. He liked to stay in the same alignments, read what was happening, rely on J.J. Watt or his other skilled rushers to, to generate that rush. They may be a, bit, a little bit more um, uh, efficient as a result um, of a new, younger coordinator. But uh, it's, still, it's still a real question to me um, whether they can week in, week out do that and whether Bills has this team um, you know, and, and I don't pay much attention to the mouth clowning over Deshaun Watson. Right. Sorry, over DeAndre Hopkins, Hopkins. Um, losing. But, you know, does Bill actually have this team? Does, are they on the same page? Do they know what he is looking for? You know, what, what it is he thinks is going to win games for them. And I'm it's not, a great I'm point. By that. I, 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 it's a great point. And, I, and I'm with you as well, Mike. Kind of easy, cheap shots, you know, with that deal. And hey, he might have the last laugh with it. You never know. And we've, we've seen that before, right? With the Amari Cooper deal. Everybody, it, to, to nick your phrase, all the mouth clowns absolutely destroyed uh, them for that deal. And, and, and of course, that, that played out, uh, as we know, pretty effectively in the end. So that could still happen with this deal, and probably as it might seem at the moment. But I, I take your point, and I'm, and I'm kind of leaning more towards looking at. Uh, a, a sort of fair amount of the Texas last season and looking at the way that they played in many games, they looked cohesive and legit. And, and uh, you know, I'm not so sure that they aren't. Uh, that's a great, that's a great point. I, I don't think there was any doubt that uh, Rabel's players knew what Rabel expected of them. He knew what how he wanted to win each each game, um, and that may be that may be what the difference um, bet- between these teams is is going to be. Um, because I'm not I'm not sure in in the rest of the division how much realistic. I think that the Colts will probably be better with Rivers at quarterback. Um, and it's a really interesting in move. Because Rivers had a te- he the worst I think he does. pretty much in his career, right? I mean, yeah, he- I think he does. One of the things that happened last year, and it might be down to quarterbacking, I'm, I don't know, but their offensive line was nowhere near as effective as it had been the year before right. when it looked like one, one of the best offensive lines in the league. If that line still has, still has the talent there, it's, it's intact um, from two years ago. And um, I think if they can protect Rivers, I think he's in a pretty good situation um, to make things happen. And if T.Y. Hilton stays healthy, um, 
then he's got, you know, one of the best receivers in the league. I'm, I'm not sure they, they did enough to kind of build around him, but, but they took Pittman in the draft um, um, with their first pick. And I think he's a kind of NFL-ready receiver. Um, and, you know, I, it, it's a difficult one to put all your money on one player, but, you know, they've also got Marlon Mack. Uh, Jonathan Taylor may be a bit overrated coming out of Wisconsin, like Wisconsin running backs often are. But you know, I, I think if they can if they can play defense, and and they've had a good defense the last couple of years, but a small one, um, and um, you know, they've depended on quickness and speed. Putting DeForest Buckner in the middle of that defense certainly is is a, a good step, you know, a good step forward, and. Um, I think that they're they could be ready to move up. I like Frank Reich as a coach. You know, I, I think he's another guy. Kind of, you know, I mean, we link him sometimes with Doug Peterson, but I think he's in that mold, um, a player, a player's coach, and and he he knows he makes it obvious what what he wants, and you know, and um, um, how they're going to play. And one of the other interesting things that didn't get noticed much was they signed Sheldon Day as well from the Forty ers you know, Sheldon Day and Buckner were the starting tackles in the Super Bowl. <laughs> and, and, you know, Day is a ro- was a rotational tackle. It just happened that they were starting him then. But, but you know, but that, that to me is a pretty good improvement for a defense that needed a bit of bulk in the middle, you know, needed to be able to stop the run up the middle. So, so I think, you know, I would not be surprised to see another kind of three-way rush in this division where they're beating each other and, and coming down to see who can finish 10 and six at the end of the year. Does that mean um, the, Jag, the Jags, the Jets of the South in your eyes? I, I think so. I, I'm not sure. You know, the Jags are you, do you really want to depend on, on Minshew having another? No, if he has another season, there, there'll be six and 10 having a better season than last year or, or being able to work Minshew madness for an entire season. I mean, I'm not sure that's the way I'd want to go into, go Minshew into madness. That's you went all macho mad. Wasn't it Minshew? Mania? Yeah. Minshew madness. <laughs> well, with the mustache, with the mustache, yeah, you know, uh, he do that. And, you know, and then, um, you know, when they signed Mike Glennon, I just thought, what are they looking for someone who can fit into Nick Foles' old jerseys? You know, hey, I'll give me a quarterback who's six foot six or not, you know, or taller and skinny. Um, but they, they put their eggs in the Minshew basket. And um, well, I, I think that kind of makes sense, right? 21 touchdowns, six picks completed over 60% of his passes for a rookie quarterback. That's and not a huge amount around it. I, not, I, not yeah. Bad. And I don't mean to be putting him down. Um, because I thought he he was probably the best rookie quarterback in the league last year. He probably right. should have been, you know, um, uh, given more notice for that. But I think he was playing at kind of the limit of his expect or his talents a lot of the time, and that coaches are going to recognize that and and make it harder for him this time around. He he's very good when things break down. He's very good at creating out, out of breakdown. I'm not so good, I'm not so sure he's good if you keep him in the pocket and make him find receivers. Stick and I'm not sure I'm not sure if he's got the receivers to make mm-hmm. him to make him better. You know, I'm, I'm not sure they've improved the offense one iota. I think they could be back to being a good defensive team. Um, you know, I, I think I think uh, despite losing a lot of talent, picking up Henderson and uh, Chiasson both in the first, in the first round helps their defense a lot. And it's easier for rookies to make an impact on most teams, on most teams defenses. And, you know, they've got 
they've got guys back, um, high draft picks back who want to be able to do something for them. So, you know, I, I see them being a decent defensive team, but I really don't see the offense being that good. And I don't really have that much faith in Doug Marone, much as I like him. Um, as a guy, um, you know, he's on a hotter seat, Mike, in the NFL right now, Doug Marone or Matt Patricia. Well, I think, who I think Patricia's in a better position to survive the hot seat this year Mm. because I think they've improved. Um, I think those two and gays are certainly three coaches who probably have to make at least a playoff run, if not get into the playoffs to be able to survive. I mean, given all things being equal, and that's another thing we don't know about this season is how equal things will be once guys start coming down with the virus and, you know, having to go into quarantine or anything like that. But, but I've, I've approached them doing my previews all summer. I've I've approached everything as being as if all these guys are going to play. Going to play. Well, I guess it's the only way we can. Uh, Incidentally, we're going to be doing an NSC preview uh, dropping uh, shortly uh, as well. So we'll uh, find out more in that as to where Mike thinks well, at the rate we're going, going, we'll still be doing this one when the N- NFC hey, one draft. We're going to be in trouble, actually, because uh, Ollie, the producer, told me he's got a hard out that I'm. Uh, we're going to be a deep shtuck unless we rattle through to the West End, Mike. And maybe we are saving the, the best at till last. Certainly the Kansas City Chiefs, many people think, and to your point on the base, we get something resembling normality in this season, are going to be the team to beat, not just in the West, but in the AFC, are you looking at that? You look at how much uh, continuity they've managed to apply and pretty much bring back everybody that got them to the promised land last season. The Chiefs going to be there or thereabouts again this year? I, oh, they have to be there or thereabouts um, because that offense is, is going to be pretty good. Um, I mean, you know, Duvernay Tardif was the first guy to opt out of the season. So they'll have a couple of questions on the offensive line, but I think they'll be be able to plug that. Now, I've got two things that make me hesitate to pick them to win the whole thing. Um, and one one is Steve Spagnolo's career as a defensive coordinator, where he's had good years and come up with great playoff schemes and then not been able to repeat that the next year. Um, you know, not to be able to keep up. Um, the second one is a lot of things went right for Kansas City during that playoff run. Really, yeah. Which is, you know, and I've said this a couple of times in various circumstances, it's not to put them down, but they got a lot of breaks in key games, um, especially in the Super Bowl and against New England. And that kind of thing tends to level out. I don't have any I don't have any conspiracy theories about it like some people have have suggested. Um but I I, I think that's gonna make it a little bit tougher for them as along with the fact that every Super Bowl champion then has a tougher time schedule wise and and teams, you know, gearing up um gearing up for them to play. But um, Mike, one of the things that I that I think is maybe been a little bit overlooked here is when a team has a successful season and ultimately wins a Super Bowl, it is often dismantled both in terms of player personnel and players cashing in on that success, but also coordinators getting plucked because they had such a successful season. But they hung on to the enemy who was, uh, you know, highly rated and, and linked with a few gigs, but, but didn't ultimately land one or maybe wasn't interested uh, in taking one at this, this time. So they, this continuity factor with the Chiefs, both in terms of the player personnel, but also the coordinating 
side of things seems to be a lot stronger than other uh, other teams, which kind of lends itself to this this dynasty argument, or certainly to to uh, having a serious shot at repeating. Yeah, I think the thing with Bianami was that every everybody sees him as an Andy Reid uh, byproduct. Mm. You know, and that he he wouldn't necessarily have that success without Reed um, doing the game, you know, doing the game planning or building the team around him or whatever. Now that hasn't stopped that hasn't stopped people from hiring guys like Nagy, right. you know, who was Andy Reed, offensive coordinator. Um, so no, I I think it's unfair, and I think the enemy's probably got from what I've seen, probably got some of those non X and O attributes that that head coaches need you know i i think he would be the kind of guy who steps in and takes command you know and and is able to um project his vision on on a team so they know they know what they do the chiefs strangely enough the the two teams that returned the highest percentage of starter snaps from last year buffalo had 88 percent of the snaps that were taken by starters last season are back with the team and Kansas city has 85. Right. And I think that might've been before Duvernay Tardif opted out, but, but still that's a very high percentage because like you say, the disease of me takes over Mm. and, and all these guys who are, you know, key Super Bowl players think that they need to be rewarded as if they're all-star players when oftentimes they're key Super Bowl players because they're on a good team and they're, they're, um, their abilities are, are well judged to the team and they're not necessarily going to come in and turn a team into a Super Bowl team. But, you know, when you looked at who they lost, they lost a lot of big name players, but those big name players didn't really contribute all that much. Um, they weren't on the field. I think Kendall Fuller is probably the biggest one right. of, the, of the guys they lost and, and they have guys who could replace him. The only starter actually out of the last season that isn't back defensively. Uh, so the, the Patriots, unsurprisingly, the Patriots Freudian slip. The Chiefs, unsurprisingly, uh, are the favorites for the division. Is it Denver that are going to run them closest? Do you think? I, I would think so, but a lot of that depends on whether Locke is the key. Um, nice. You get, you get it? I yeah. got it. Um, <laughs> yeah, Drew Locke. I mean, Elway thinks Drew Locke is going to be a starting quarterback. Elway is not always about quarterbacks um as 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 we've seen um he looked okay toward the end of the season uh and you know they'll they're building an offense around him um they really are that's you know they're giving him weapons uh to make to make life easier for him and and certainly you know he'll be better off than um um than Joe Flacco was. And I think he's probably better than Joe, Joe Flacco, even, even at this point, even if Melvin Gordon doesn't come back, you know, to a hundred percent of what, of what he is. Um, they've still got um, Trevor um, Lindsay, Philip Lindsay, Philip Lindsay um, at, at running back and Jerry Judy. I think he was my pick as the number one receiver in the draft um, in terms of the guy who's going to come in and play for you right away and and can do anything that you want him to do. Um, So, so, you know, I, I think that's, that's great. And they're, they're loaded at at like tight end. They're going to be able to, to block um, for the, for the running backs and, and, um, seem to be all in on, on lock. I mean, and not just the organization and, and, you know, the duty, and, and I take your point totally. And Ben uh, Isaacs has made the point on this show just how complete a root runner he is, Judy. So, uh, just how 
reliable he is, uh, to your point, he, out of all of those, that really talented collection of receivers, he's the one will, I was about to say I'll be locked straight in, but I couldn't go there. Uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, roll, <laughs> we'll roll straight in. And, but it's, so it's clearly the organization are buying into Locke. He's, he's had, what, five, what, four and one, so five starts last season. Everyone I've spoken to, uh, a couple of Denver-based journos, I did the Broncos Europe pod, a little unsurprising, your Broncos uh, super fans on it. All of them were all in on Locke. He's the guy. Have we seen enough of him? Everybody, it surprises me how everybody seems absolutely convinced. I guess it's a little bit like Garoppolo and that cameo he had at the Patriots and everybody said, well, he looks like the real deal. Can well, you- I don't think, yeah, he didn't, he didn't impress me as much as Garoppolo did on, mm. on the Patriots, but um, yeah, I mean, when you've got a year, when you've got the off season to study tape on a guy, it makes it harder. Mm. Um, you know, the Gardner, Gardner, Min- what I said about Gardner Minshew. Mm. Uh, but I think he does. I think he's, he's, he's got a certain amount of, of, um, calmness about him when, when he's playing and, and that will fit in well with what they want to do, which I think will be a lot of play action. Um, with Gordon and Lindsay, um, they've got the back. They've got a couple of other quick little backs who, um, you know, will be will be threats downfield. And and the other thing is, I think they could be a really good defensive team this year. I mean, and that's Vic Fangio's a great defensive coordinator. Um, he's got Ed Donatel now as his coordinator. Um, I think they'll be a really good defensive team because I love Vic Fangio. Um, and I think that they've been building to give him the kind of players he wants. Uh, he knows what he's doing with four threes going back to the eighties. Um, and, and Jim Mora senior in the USFL. Um, and he's brought in Ed Donatel who's another guy who goes back almost that far. Um, and he's worked with him before as his, as his coordinator. So, you know, adding Jarrell Casey um, to that group, is 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 just going to be good and and um you know they they picked up like Mike Purcell out of the uh um Association of American Football he looked good last year they've got they've got returning guys to t- to build to build that front um he's brought in a couple of guys who played for him with, for, at the Bears so they know the system um Todd Davis had a monster season for them last year but um Alex Johnson who's an interesting story, which I won't go into in great detail, but his college career was derailed um, by, um, by criminal charges that took three years for him to be cleared of. And then he came back. Um, He and Davis could be a really great pair um, at linebacker. And they've got the outlaw Josie Jewell, um, you know, as well. They got a lot of guys I like, you know, Um, they took Derek Tuska out of North Dakota state. Who's, um, um, in round seven, he's a, he's one of those kind of smaller college outside linebacker, defensive end, pass rush guys, and all they have to do is you know AJ Bouye has to take over for Chris Harris, um, and um, and they brought um, Kyle, uh, what's his name, Can- Callahan, over from Chicago where he was a perfect fit um, for Fangio there. So yeah, I just I just think it, their defense is going to be really good, and if luck if luck if Locke, if Locke can play as well as he did, they should be the challengers um, for for them in this division. And um, well, the other two uh, in the division, the Raiders now in Vegas. Put it this way: Is Locke 
going to be as good as Peyton Manning was the year they won the Super Bowl when Peyton was awful? Because that's all he's asked to. Oh, that's all he has to do. Yeah, it's a, it, I guess a similar balance. Yeah, yeah. defense was, was was the dominant side of that team. Okay, well, if the, if the Broncos, are, and you make a compelling case for them, Mike, uh, I am sold, definitely, that the Broncos are going to be contenders in the division. Surely the Raiders are as well, because they were strong for, or at least capable for uh, much of last season. There are still question marks clearly coming from Gruden, let alone anyone else about, about Derek Carr. He's definitely a player on, on the hot seat, but they've armed, re-upped with weapons around him. Uh, this time around. So where are the Las Vegas Raiders sitting in the West? <laughs> At the slot machines. It's going to be a good role for them. Uh, and, um, what kind of slots? The ones where you can win a million dollars with one, if, if you get the right spin? Or is that a kind yeah, of well, they drafted a guy called Lynn Bowden, um, who is weird because he played – they list him as a running back, but he was a wide receiver in college, except he played quarterback the last half of his senior year okay, and as, as, a running, as a running quarterback. Mm. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him be a slot receiver in, in, in this offense. Um, mm. And maybe they try uh, to open things up a, a little bit. They, they still don't really have a downfield kind of guy which you would which you would sort of expect but but he does tend to like bigger possession sort of receivers um if you if you think back to to his head coaching in tampa um and oakland oakland before that and i think that they're in year three of what is probably a five-year plan a 10-year plan based on his contract (laughs) yeah i mean he may not want to give too much away too soon but i think they're at the point now where they're where they're definitely going to be a legitimate contender yeah um a team that can could be difficult for almost any team um to beat and you know and i think they'll they've got a huge offensive line with some really good players on it and uh I think they can. They'll be able to run run behind that, um, and I think that the the only real question to me, I don't trust Greg Olson as an offensive coordinator, and I'm not sure whether it's he or Gruden who makes the makes all the calls. But I really think that you might be able to get more out of Derek Carr rather than complaining about what he can't do. Um, and concentrate on what he can do because I think he's a pretty, actually a pretty good quarterback. Um, and uh, you know they, they've sort of built from the line outward. They've done the same thing defensively. It's a it's a good strategy. It's it's one that depends on your having enough time to implement it. So I think I'm not looking for them to do a big run this year, but I think they'll be a decent a decent team. I'm with you. I'm sold on Carr as well. I think he is one of the more underrated players. Uh, in the NFL, and I'm excited about it. I mean, I love the the rugs is uh, is you know raising a glass to the spirit of Al the rugs pick in the draft. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I should have said I should have mentioned that because I said they don't have a downfield threat, but that's the why burner. they draft. That's why they drafted rugs. So right. you know that would have been a pick that um, that Al Davis would have been happy with, yeah. and yeah. and um, I think I'm just going to change what I said a little bit, just in the sense that I think. Carr can hit a downfield receiver. I think people were saying they don't have a downfield receiver because Carr can't hit one. I think that's false, and I think Carr will benefit from from him stretching the yep. field. Uh, which leaves us the charges. 
uh, same situation. Say, I say guess. didn't you used to be the charge, the San Diego Chargers? The um, I'm just working out what the over under is on how many times you drop San Diego Chargers this season, like because it's a year, another year away now. So I wonder if that I'm going five on on the show this this coming season. I reckon you'll drop San Diego Chargers five times. Oh, I, I, I would if I if I were a betting man, I'd bet the over on. You're taking, you're taking yeah, the but over. of course, I can I can fix that. So it's like <laughs> it's right. like betting on me to bowl the no ball with the first ball of the over. You know, same about how many corners in a game. Same question um, uh, that we've asked about a few other teams. Tyrod Taylor is the de facto starter, you would think. And there's a lot to like, I guess, about the style of quarterback that he is going into uh, an offense like this. How long do you think they roll with Tyrod Taylor before they look at Justin Herbert? It's kind of a fit situation. Um, although, they, you know, obviously they don't quite have the... Um, Herbert doesn't quite have the, 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 the demand to play that Tua might, the hype around him yeah. uh, to play, even though he went, you know, as a higher pick. Um, well, but pick below. Anthony Lynn likes Taylor. Hmm. You know, they played in Buffalo. Um, and he can survive in a way that Phillip Rivers couldn't um, if they don't rebuild their offensive line. Um, you know, they've added – they traded away Okung who was always injured and added Brian Balaga, who's always injured, but at least looks like Curly from the Three Stooges. So so that makes up for it. Um, it, It's an interesting thing because they lost Gordon. Um, I'm not sure what they they did otherwise to to sort of create more threats in their offense. defensively, I think they're another team that could be really good. Uh, and, and I love Kenneth Murray as a draft pick behind, behind Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa on the outsides. He covers a lot of ground. Um, so, so they can, they can sort of, um, they can sort of play with Gus Bradley as the coordinator. They can sort of modify that three, four look into a sort of Seattle style four, two with, with the Leo, you know, the, the sort of Leo pass rush linebacker, defensive end stroke linebacker. And um, I, I think that makes a lot of sense for them. And so if they get, if they get um, Derwin James back, I mean, if Derwin James stays healthy, I should say, uh, you know, I think he's one of the top three or four football players in the NFL. Wow. You know, when you, when you say like, who are the best football players? It's like you watch him play and you think this is why, this is why football um, exists is for guys like him to be going all over the field, popping up where they shouldn't be making plays. They probably shouldn't be able to make and making, making the defense better. But I'm not sure that that defense is up to Denver's uh, standard. And I'm not sure that the weapons are up to Denver's standard. So I find, I find the chargers sort of, if they're good, they could be at Oakland level. But if Oakland actually improves, then they're going to leave the Chargers in the dust. And, you know, for, the, for a team in L.A. who have barely enough concentration for one glamour team in that city, it's such a waste, you know, for the, for the like, hippest, coolest uniforms in, in football, you know, with, with one of the great offensive traditions in football. Right kind of playing playing pounded out or um you know and not, and not living up to that reputation so you know i i do see that i do see them 
sort of being the fourth place team in the division. Also one of the greatest team uh, songs in, in, in the history of football as well, the 70s San Diego Superchargers, <laughs> which presumably have to be redone now, but we should dig that Yeah, out. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a shame, isn't it? You know, I, I think you they, find yourself in a disco somewhere in New York, Mike, in the kind of late 70s where that was playing and Carlson had the bell bottoms on and, and the, big, the big Tom Selleck tash. Yeah, you know, I drowned. I drowned one of the fish in my platform shoes dancing to that song. <laughs> oh, the glass! It's like glass you know what I would do if I were the NFL. I would I would try to get Paris Hilton to buy the team that her great no, the grandfather. I think I don't think it was great grandfather, um, Baron Hilton um, actually founded. You know, actually in the AFL, I'd bring her back as the owner, and that right. would, that would kind of restore a little glamour to the. Like, kind of like Cameron Diaz on any given Sunday. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like exactly. She would have just inevitably moved them to Vegas. So we'd then have two teams in Vegas. That's what would happen if... Uh, if uh, yeah, the problem in the NFL is that it's not like Major League or something like that where you have to lose, you know, go 2-12 and 12 to be able to get out of your... 2-14 and 14 to be able to get out of your lease and move to another city. <laughs> the, the kind of the contractions or the contortions you have to go through to actually be able to do that, you know, are, are, are insane. Mike, we've done it. We've got through the AFC. I think that was pretty pacey, right? That was only about, well, I, I'm pretty sure we're going to flip this into two parts. Uh, Ollie, I'm sure Ollie, our producer, will, is, uh, will make the is call. Ollie nodding, is Ollie nodding away then? Nodding off, I think. Is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, then we've accomplished our first aim. <laughs> yeah, all right. Hey, let's come back and do it once again, all again, yeah. rather, for the See, NFC. This, is, this has always been my strategy. If I can put the producers to sleep early, then I can say what I want. Do you remember the time when actually no, I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say You're gonna try to show. embarrass me now? I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna bite my tongue, but it was one of my favorite parts of us doing the I think it was back in the channel four as opposed to the channel five days. Did yeah. I ever fall did I ever fall asleep? Yeah. <laughs> no one noticed. No, that's okay. It was like Homer when Homer's at the blackjack table, <laughs> just, just puts the glasses on and has. Hey, to be honest with you, Mike, I just needs to have like three or four questions. What did you make of that play, Mike? And a few others just recorded, and we could have that's got right. away with it. That's right. The um, when we used to do on Channel Four, we would do the for a couple of years. We did the Monday night game on Tuesday nights, and on Channel we, fi- Channel Five. On Channel Five, yeah. sorry, on Channel Five, we did the Monday night game on Tuesday nights. Yeah. and the way we did it was we would do an introduction and then, then they would put an edit together of, they would just edit out the commercials basically um, of the first quarter. And then they'd come back to us between the quarters and the year that Nate was born, which was in October. And I was, you know, getting like three hours sleep a night. I came in and we did the opening and everything was fine. And then the voice in my ear from the PA, the pub, the production assistant says part seven, first quarter, 46 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and they turned the studio lights down and there were still 45 minutes and 30 seconds left when I started snoring. <laughs> and with about a minute to go, the producer, Pete Hussey came in my ear and said, anything you want in particular, Mike? And I kind of went, Oh, uh, what? what, Pete? He said, Oh, don't worry. I've picked out a couple of things. Uh, I'm sure you'll be able to ad lib over them. <laughs> yeah. That wouldn't be the first time you managed to do that. Love it. Those were the days. Um, well, we've done it done and dusted the AFC preview in the bag. We're going to do the same with the NFC, of course. So that is dropping in your podcatcher of choice very, very soon. So keep your eyes and ears peeled. And as you alluded to, more than that, as you referenced, Mike, to be precise, during the show, you previewed every division in detail 
in your Patreon column. So let's uh, plug that. Patreon.com forward slash Mike Carlson FMTE. Right. And that's it. The last division comes out tomorrow. Um, and we've, we've finished, we've finished all eight. Um, and, uh, you'll probably hear some of the same jokes, <laughs> except you won't, you won't hear them. You'll be reading them, but, um, but yeah, but it goes into great detail. I really, uh, it's a learning thing for me and I really do try to, you know, figure out who's got, who's improved themselves and some of the guys that we probably may not ever hear of, but you know, might make a, might make an impact. And you know, that way I can sort of say, Oh yeah, I was on, I was on to him when he was undrafted. Um, like I mentioned, Kirk Merritt is one of my favorite undrafted guys this year. Um, you know, there's, there's a few who, who every year will come, will come through. And, um, Back in the NFL Europe days, it was great because if you paid attention to those guys, a lot of them would then resurface in NFL Europe. And then some of those guys would use that extra time and experience to make a, a, a team the next the next uh, autumn. Uh, so it, it was really good from that point of view. And it's you know one of those reasons why I think the NFL ought to have a, a development league, even yeah. if it's not in Europe, but, but it would be a good thing for them to have. Well, the Rock sport the XFL now, so maybe that's uh, true. That that's an interesting thing too, because you know the Rock would not buy a league. You would think to run a development league per se, you would think he would be looking for some kind of entertainment, uh, you know, big time entertainment value um, beyond that. But I, I actually think that a development league on a low scale is a viable operation. Um, especially when you keep the expenses down. And I'm, I don't think people watched the XFL this year expecting Major League Football. No. I think they I mean, were just looking for quality, you know, for, for exciting, you know, quality football and, and maybe guys that they could spot in the future in the NFL. Yeah. Well, if you made the move, and I, I don't think they're too mutually exclusive. I think The Rock might have ambitions for it, but it's not, A, that won't happen overnight, and B, you can maybe have both, right, where you have, you know, a collection of stars that could conceivably... Be I'll tell you one thing. Draft day mm. would We're be so much more day. interesting when Rock walks out and says, with the first pick of the XFL draft, can you taste what the Las Vegas... <laughs> can you smell? <laughs> that amazing. Just all the greats from the night. That Stone Cold Steve Austin could, could come out and do a pick and they just... With the draft pick that comes up, crack open a beer with him and chug it. I mean, the, the, it's endless possibilities. Hogan yeah. is the NWO for the Vegas pick. I mean, this is it would be like it would this. be great. It would be it would be great, you know. And um, you know, you have two ways to go, three ways really. You you could you can do what the XFL did and more or less try to compete in NFL cities in the off season because you're not competing, but you're, you're picking cities you think are football mad. You can do what the United league and the AAF did, uh, which I still think has some legs in it, which is to go to non NFL cities right. and put teams in. And right now, you know, San Diego's available. Oakland's <laughs> available. Um, the usual suspects like Portland and Orlando and San Antonio are available. So they're pretty good cities with, you know, some of which have, pretty good football followings. Reno is available, Mike, by the way. What, Reno? Yeah, to compete with Las Vegas. And, and the, or you can do the minor league kind of thing where you, where you have your teams all in Florida or, you know, all in the South or Florida and Texas or something like that, um, where your idea is to just display these guys before smallish crowds, maybe even, you know, small college stadiums, high school stadium good-sized high school stadiums which there are a number of in in florida um 
and uh, do a kind of like NFL Europe, um, where but your travel expenses are low, uh, the rest of your expenses are low, and you know it becomes it can still be a TV product on that small scale because the key to any of these leagues is is generating enough audience for TV to foot your to foot the bulk of your bill because uh, because Gates not going to do it. Especially in the early years, when you really want to, un, you know, undersell, you want you want to sell cheap so you can build up your audience and, and fan, it, yeah. fan base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, lovely stuff, Mike. Uh, so patreon.com forward slash Mike Austin FMT to read more of Iron Mike Starlings. He will be back for the NFC preview, which will be dropping uh, at some point in August into your podcast as we get set for what we hope is a, a timely, a prompt start to the season. Fingers crossed. Uh, for that, um, Rufus, I particularly uh, want to thank you for your contributions on the show today. Yes, I mean, I did see one of your boys running around behind you, but he yes, that frankly, throwing things out. Luckily, he yeah, he didn't start barking, so <laughs> he didn't bark. But they have been launching uh, Star Wars figures with parachutes out of the window. I think we've <laughs> been trying to concentrate on what's going on. Such is uh, such is the lockdown style uh, content creation that we've been going through over the last few months. But hey, we're getting closer to uh, normality, closer to the start of the season. So I'm looking forward to that. And I hope this episode has whetted your appetite. Certainly, I've learned a lot. Uh, from the great Iron Mike. So looking forward to checking with you very soon, Matt. Okay, thanks, man. We'll do the AFC, uh, the NFC next, yeah. We will there's indeed. Only, there's only two of them. I ought to be able to keep them. <laughs> that was slick. That was slick. <laughs> there we go, then. We got there in the end. Lots of diamond stuff from Iron Mike in our AFC preview. And he will be back for more. We will be back for more uh, NFC preview shows coming your way very, very soon, gang. So keep your eyes and ears peeled as we get you set for the 2020 NFL season. All the key things that you need to know right here on the Nat Coombs Show. And of course, when the season gets underway, terrific guests from this side of the pond, from the ESPN Galaxy stateside, dropping three times a week during the season. Cannot wait for it. Uh, make sure you keep your eyes and ears peeled for the NFC preview show coming your way very shortly. And if you haven't already, follow us on social media at the NC Show Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Marley, Tom and the crew there keeping the fires burning. Lots of great extra content that gets pushed out all through the week. Right, NFC preview coming your way shortly. We will see you then. Bye for now. This is Ryan Fitzpatrick and you're listening to the Neil Reynolds Podcast. That was the voice of Ryan Fitzpatrick. To hear more leading NFL stars, coaches, and media personalities telling us their life stories, tune into the Neil Reynolds podcast with me, Neil Reynolds. Episodes drop every Thursday, and we already have a back catalogue that includes the likes of Bruce Arians, Doug Marone, Raheem Mostert, and the one and only Dan Hansis. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. The Neil Reynolds podcast, dropping every Thursday. Sports Social Podcast Network.